Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by Will Schroeder, my friend, the founder and CEO of Startups.com. Will, we love to talk features and benefits and all of the wonderful, magical things that our Swiss Army startup knife can do, but realistically speaking, how many things do we actually have to get right? How many things should we be focused on at any given time to have a successful startup? We're lucky if we can be good at one, (laughs) (laughs) we can actually be good at one thing, we have hit the ball out of the park. Exactly. I mean, it's it's funny because we see this, Ryan, in pitch decks, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. People get so fired up about their idea, right? And and all the things that this thing can be great at. So they're like, and then we can solve this problem. But wait, there's more. There's more. We can solve this problem, this problem, this problem. And it's like, dude, chances are in this world, in this life, that you're going to be the best at one thing is really small. Not to mention, if no one cares about the thing that you're supposed to be the best at, yep. the features aren't going to save you. Yeah, they don't. And I think that's the huge misconception, right? There's this accretive value that you're creating in, in the user's yes. mind or the investor's mind or whoever it is you're trying to convince that they're like, if I just keep piling on enough stuff, eventually it'll look good, right? I'll, I'll magically hit upon that one magical feature that everybody was hoping I would say. And it's just not the case, right? It just ends up being noise that distracts them from understanding that clear core value. Now, you may have gotten that wrong, right? You may not have nailed it right from the beginning, but you have to stick to one thing and be really good at it before you start to pile on a bunch of other stuff where it just becomes noise and the signal gets lost. All right, so before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like, 1% of the conversation. You know, really, this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com, where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. Well, I also don't think, you know, and we'll talk through this, I think the cost of not being focused on that one thing is sure. so damn high, and we don't have a lot of luxury to do it. So I think what we can talk about today, we can talk about uh, how important is singular focus, right? Yeah. Like, and when you say important, we're, we're gonna we need to nail this one home. Like, when we say yeah. it's important. You know, we can't emphasize it enough. We can emphasize it so much that we've already done an episode on singular focus. So if if you don't hear it in this episode enough, more. just go back. <laughs> go back a couple. Yeah, this is going to be a repeating theme. Focus because is it's so absolutely important. critical. Exactly. I think we should talk a little bit about um, how we're allocating resources because I think it really oh, yeah. blows us up, right? You know, <laughs> For sure. in, in the misallocation because we, we we're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then, then the the what I'd love to see us you know kind of dig in some more is um, do we even have the luxury of doing more than one thing? <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> I, I always I always picture this like when I when I hear when I hear founders start to tell me about and we're building this and we're building this and we're building this and we're building this. I get this visual of them trying to push like six bowling balls up a downhill yes. slip and slide. Right. Yes. It just it's comical. Right. Because you can just see they have no traction in any one of them. Um, they're floundering constantly and they just can't make any progress because it's it's hard to do one thing. Right? right, even mediocre, right? Let alone to get it absolutely right and and win at it. Um, and the minute you add two, three, four, five, six, whatever it is, you're you're kind of you know writing your epitaph at that point. 
it's a big issue where I see it. Um, you know, we run a workshop around pitch deck, uh, you know, issues. Yep. And so founders come to us and uh, every week and then they say, Hey, here, here are issues that we have with our pitch deck. You know, here's things I'm trying to work on. And often we don't make it past the first slide, which is of course the problem <laughs> statement. <laughs> yep. And it says, and we say, look, what problem do you solve? And here's what ends up happening. And it's, yeah. it, you know, everybody's doing this for the first time. So it's, you know, no surprise that the people don't have the, 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 the problem issue or the problem uh, addressed. And the way they say it is, we solve this problem, but we also solve this problem, this problem, and this problem. And it's like, okay, well, step back. Of those problems, if you only had one to choose from, which would you choose? And I'm like, oh, well, I didn't really, hadn't really thought of it like that. Because whatever your primary problem is, if you can't solve that problem, the rest yeah. of them don't matter. Yep. And, and we get stuck all the time on that one. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Now, it's, it's a huge issue. And the other thing we see happen there is people jump straight into the, the, the benefits and the solutions, right? They don't really right. focus on the problem and how people experience it, right? And I think that's really important. If you, you have to truly understand how people are experiencing the problem and, and how they're currently solving it, which is often just to do nothing or there's some status quo solution. Um, and instead of just looking at how do we supplant that, how do we change that behavior, they start to just throw spaghetti at the wall, right? They're just like, well, one of these things has to be the magic bullet that kills exactly, the werewolf, right. right? Right. And it just isn't, right? You got to stay focused. You got to get really clear on what the origin of the problem is, what the cost of the problem is, what the magnitude of the problem is, and then have a single solution that focuses on eliminating as much or all of that problem as possible. Um, and you don't need to get beyond that because to your point, if you haven't figured that piece out, the rest of it sort of doesn't matter, right? Um, right, right. You, you've got an analogy you like to use. I won't share it. I'll, I'll let you drop it later, but I think it's right, perfect so, so in this case. Let's talk about our Henry Ford analogy. Yes. <laughs> I think it's so apropos. <laughs> so uh, what we talked to, to founders about, he said, imagine you're Henry Ford and you're introducing the first uh, you know, gas-powered car to, yep. to your audience, to the world. And you get up there and you're pitching. You say, hey, by the way, I've got now an internal combustion engine that will power a car, unlike horsepower, right? It's not literally yep. horsepower. And we'll be able to have all these features with this thing. Not only will it change transportation, it'll offer you heated seats someday. It'll offer you air conditioning. It'll <laughs> offer you a stereo, et cetera. And it's like, yep. whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on. You just said that you're going to change transportation. You're literally going to take people off of horses and put right. them in a car. Yep. Who gives a shit about heated seats, right? <laughs> like, you know, for what it's worth, horses do provide a heated seat. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> so look, if, if somebody's out to buy a car, right? The first thing they're going to say is, I need a car to get places, yep. right? If I didn't have anywhere to go, like right now in COVID, a car is the last <laughs> thing on my mind, right? right? I'm not like, I don't need to go anywhere, but I'd love some heated seats. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Just going right? to go hang out in the garage and warm up my backside. Sounds great. <laughs> so we all have to figure out when we're thinking about what problem to solve. Yeah. What is the main thing that people are going to look for, right? And how do we be badass at it, right? Yeah. So again, in this case, if we're thinking, well, you know, we want to get into this, this, this one business. Let's take Slack, for example, you know, the communications sure. tool that, that many people use, not everybody's familiar with, um, but it's, a, it's an online chat. Uh, tool that a lot of uh, businesses use uh, in order to, to to communicate all day. Yep. If, if Slack were Pretty to familiar say, to us, <laughs> very, yeah, we live off of it. So yeah. Um, but if Slack were to say, "Look, yeah, we want to change." 
the way people communicate throughout the day, we want to take them off of email and put them into chat. But we also want to be able to have them be able to make phone calls on it. We want them to be able to do image sharing on it. We want them to do all this. Step back. If I don't give a shit about using chat all day, right. It right. doesn't matter if you if yeah. you've got image sharing, right? But it's got a Secondly, Jiffy integration. Well, we need it in I'll our lives. Listen, yeah. If you're if you're not the best at doing it, like pretty much every other chat program is not. Yeah. I also don't care. Exactly. Right? So, so I think two things are happening here. I think we as founders, because we're often entering new markets, we get all fired up about all the things that this can do. I think what we need to zoom out and focus on is, okay, what is what are the things that are features, their benefits, their their nice to haves, or maybe they just come down the road later. They're super important, but but they're later. But what's the one thing that if we're going to establish our beachhead in our you know market, if we get this thing right, we've definitely got some room to add features, right? You know what is yes. the that one thing? And I think that that's so commonly overlooked. It's almost comical. It is. Uh, we have a we have a really great illustration right now on on this very very thing. Right, we've got Mailchimp announcing their twelve billion dollar acquisition by Intuit, and so they didn't try to do a whole lot. And they've been around for a long time. So if there was anybody that wanted to, ha- you know, just stick around long enough to have feature bloat uh, beyond reason, Mailchimp would be a great example. Uh, and yet they haven't. Right? They stayed right really close to home. They said, look, we're just going to make it really easy uh, to build an email list and then to send emails to them on a serial basis. And they didn't bet. try to do a whole lot more than that. And they just did a really good job of, of nailing down, you know, starting with, with secondary markets, you know, smaller businesses, people that didn't have access to big enterprise level tools back in the day when the only way to send like massive serial emails on an ongoing basis were through, you know, big enterprise tools. And they said, we're just going to serve that market. And they eventually grew out of that and began serving plenty of enterprise clients as well. But they didn't try to do too much, right? They didn't turn into a marketing suite. They didn't turn into an analytics platform, right? They give you enough analytics. They tell you what happened to your email and not a mess, right? It's just what you need and not more. Um, And they bootstrapped that thing to a $12 billion exit. I'm going to be quiet for a minute and let that echo across the the internet. because It's one of the greatest success stories ever. Yeah. And it's happening now. Here's the funny thing though, Ryan. They were bought by Intuit a company that's never been able to do anything else well, but yeah. taxes. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know. And, and, and I would argue they don't do it that well, but that's here or there. But they've yeah. done that one thing, yeah. and they've built this incredible juggernaut that can buy a, a MailChimp by just doing that one yes. thing. Now, l- l- let's take a look at, though, yes, we have to be the best at the one thing, or you know, we have to focus on the one thing. But let's talk about the cost that comes with actually trying to do anything but one thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so in your mind, when you when you talk to a startup, talk to a founder, and they say, hey, I want to try all these things, what's the first thing that's going through your head? Um, I go back to that visual analogy that I dropped at the, at the top of the episode, right? Which is that they're just trying to push bowling balls up a slip and slide. It just doesn't A lot work. of bowling balls. A lot of them, right? Um, it's painful. Um, it's costly. It, you, know, just, you just end up not accomplishing much of anything. 
And when you really dig into it, the motivations for these things are, you know, kind of focused around a couple of things. The, the main one that I see is insecurity around the product that they're building, right? And so- That's a great point. It's, it's interesting, but it really does boil down to that in most cases. They're afraid that there's not enough resonance in that singular problem and singular solution. So they start to kind of try to skim coat it with a bunch of other stuff that is just a protective layer, right? And little do they right. know what they're actually protecting themselves from is progress, right? Getting anything done, having anybody understand their offering, because that's the other part that, that we didn't really talk about. But when you start to fractionalize your focus, you're also fractionalizing everyone else's focus and ability to understand what the hell it is you're trying to do, right? The minute I'm up to like feature five or six, people are zoned out or they've forgotten the most important thing that I'm supposed to be doing, which hopefully I led with. Uh, maybe I didn't, maybe I'm not even clear on that yet, but we see people just absolutely start to distract the hell out of their audiences by dropping a whole bunch of non sequitur features and benefits that right. are just not important to the core problem, right? Uh, there are other reasons this happens, right? I mean, sometimes it's just uncertainty of what's going to work and that's okay. Right. But the path to figuring that out is sequential, not parallel. When you try to do things right. in parallel, you just end up not getting any understandings whatsoever, right? You don't end up figuring out what works and what doesn't. Uh, we have some other really nice examples too of, of places where people started with a singular focus and then branched out and then have eventually kind of come back. And uh, the, the example that I'm thinking of most clearly in my mind is, is Basecamp, 37 Signals. Right. Um, you know, when they started with a very simple project management tool and then they branched off into things like chat communication, um, file storage and all of these other tools that ended up ultimately not serving their market in the way that they hoped. And they paired it back to just Basecamp, which instantly was where they started. Uh, so they had the right instincts um, and then they branched out and then they retracted back to that original pure platform uh, that they were really good at. That was the one thing that they absolutely nailed and they eventually realized that and kind of regressed back to that state. Uh, well, there's I, a reason though. Yeah. Right, there's yep. a reason because at some point they were saying, look, we only have so many resources, we only have so yep. many bets you know, we can make. 100%. As soon as, and we say this all the time, the moment we take a bet and we say, let's split the bets, we now lower our probability that either bet will work. Yeah, right? 100%. We're in a business where we, we can't hedge. We can't say, let's build this feature, this feature, and this feature, and maybe right. one of them will work. Right. We're lucky enough with the minimal resources that we often have that we'll get one of the bets even right. Because we have to talk about it. It's not as simple as just like laying cards down on a table, right? In this case, to build a, a quality product that the market accepts, understands, or adopts, yeah, can take anywhere from three to five years to get it right. Now, now people will say, "Wow, no, that's not true." Like you can launch a, a product in year one and, and it'll get a take rate. Yes, yes, you can get people to be interested in the product. To to build a good product takes lots and lots and lots of reps on a singular focus. Yes. You, you name nearly any company that's gone public, you know, using that as a, a long timeline. And it's always because they had one thing that they did really right. You know, you've got Dropbox and Box, right? Having done one thing really right. Have they tried to do other things? Sure. And they have a ton of resources. Yeah. Take Stripe, right? Stripe's got in all these different things that they're trying to get into. But at the end of the day, all that friggin' matters is they process credit yeah. cards yep. really, really well. They turn 16 and digits into money in your account. That's what matters. It's incredible. And, and in every one of those cases, even when they have exponential resources, which again, we don't, they still stay focused. And, and yeah. the reason is 
if we start taking our very minor resources and we start placing those bets on things that are features, benefits, aren't necessarily the core, core product, which by the way, again, takes one, two, three, five years to refine. Yeah. We're essentially taking away from that core product, right? I'll give you an example. Ryan, right now we're working on founder groups, yes. right? And you know, we've had this product in market for less than a year. We have a pretty reasonable amount of resources at startups.com. Yeah. Uh, we also have a lot of products. We do. Right? <laughs> we have launch truck and clarity with all this stuff, right? Um, but we know that unless we get the core product that is founder groups right. It won't matter if we add a feature to biz plan. It won't matter if we add a feature to, to fundable, Correct. right? Yep. We need all hands on deck just to get this one product right. And it could take us years Correct. to get it right. If we start pulling stuff off and we say, mm, you know, biz plan could use a couple extra features here or fundable could use a couple extra features here. Yep. What we're specifically doing is we're taking that, that, that resourcing away from the success of founder groups. And that's the biggest mistake we could make is yes. not maintaining the resource focus. You know, by the way, I just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often, you actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So, any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. Right. And and that's that is the cost, right? In 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 this case. It's it's that, you know, taking a finite resource pool and having to cut it. And this is something that we go over in in minute detail um, every time we make one of these decisions. And and you know, founders listening, you should be doing the same thing. Because there is a cost to that, right? You're going to have a finite resource pool. The, 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 you know, the amount that you slice that is going to absolutely reduce your ability to be successful in any one, any one category. So anytime we're thinking about shifting focus, we know it comes at the cost. So it's not just simply a matter of, oh, we'll just add another dev or another marketing person or another uh, three customer service people, whatever it is, right? Yeah, you can do that. Maybe if you have the resources for it, we generally don't, right? In startup land, right. you just don't. Right. You don't have the ability to say, oh, we have this really cool new thing we want to do. And of course we have the money to back it and, and, and support it and build it. You don't, right? That's, that's right. the, that is the challenge. And so it's trying to accomplish a hell of a lot with not very much is our constant battle. And so in order to be successful at that, limiting the number of fronts that you're fighting on is the first step towards success. You just cannot say, I'm going to try all these different things and see what works. Like, Use a silly analogy here. How often do you hear somebody saying, you know, we're going to start a new restaurant. We're not entirely sure what the menu is going to be. So we're going to have Chinese, Mexican, Italian, some hamburgers, uh, a little bit of Thai food. Um, we'd like some pho in there, uh, right? Like who does that? And yet I hear founders come to me. And if I were to just translate that into restaurant speak, that's exactly what they're describing to me, right? They're going to yep. try to do all of this stuff, right? And they don't understand that there's a massive cost. And again, two things happen there. One, you get really confused about what you're building and everybody from the outside looking in is going, what is this place? Like, I don't know what to do here. I don't understand Actually, what their value proposition is. Let's talk through that. Yeah. I think uh, you, you, you landed on something really important, which is uh, you and I have this new idea, right? And we're super excited about getting into the market. A year goes by and here's the problem. You and I have been thinking about this nonstop for at least a year, probably yes. longer. Oh, man. And so in our mind, 
What's missing are more features. Right. What we forget about is that everyone else has never even heard of yeah. this product. They've had zero right? seconds of thought on this. Right? There's no context. There's no understanding. And you're introducing it to them from the first time, starting with the tip of the tail, right? Like, wow, we got this brand new, crazy, cool feature we want to add to this thing. Wait, what's the thing again? Yeah, don't worry about that. Let me tell you about this benefit or feature. Let me confuse the shit out of you before I tell you what this thing actually does. Um, I, I love your food analogy because it, uh, it reminds me of opening up a pizzeria, yeah. right? And, and we're going to deliver pizza. And in our minds, like we've been delivering pizza for a year, everyone loves it, yeah. right? And we're like, okay, time to bring in breadsticks or calzones or whatever else, <laughs> you know, right. on the menu. All delicious, by the way. Um, and and we're like, okay, well, we're our, we won't be able to focus as much on on either making great pizza or delivering great pizza. No one is going to order our pizza, right? That's now shitty yeah. because our breadsticks are so good, right? right. <laughs> like, and it's going to take us a long, long long time with absolute focus in order to unseat all the other pizza places around town. Yes. Right. That alone, if we did nothing but focus on that would make us a great company. The breadsticks and calzones aren't going to get us there. (laughs) That's what you get to do when you've already become a national chain, like a Donato's or anything else like that. Right. Until then, (laughs) all you got to do is make good pizza, man. And that's it. That's it. That is your job, right? You don't need to to sweeten the deal with all of these other ancillary features um, if your mission is pizza, right? Now, if you wanted to start a breadstick shop, maybe that'll work. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking through it. I, it feels it feels like a long shot to me, but it's not your core feature. But if it is, then fine. Focus on your breadsticks. But again, don't start offering pizza. Don't start offering you know cinnamon sticks or whatever the hell else you're going to do. Focus on the breadsticks, right? You you have to. Um, all right. I think we've tortured the food analogy enough and I haven't had lunch yet. So if we can <laughs> move go, on to uh, anything one, else. <laughs> one more example comes to mind because it goes back to the simplicity of it. Yeah. Years ago, um, I'm in San Francisco with a buddy of mine and uh, a guy named Derek Ray. You remember Derek? Oh, yes. And, uh, and Derek's showing me this new dating app, right? Called Tinder. <laughs> and, he, yeah. and he's like, uh, what, 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 was, what was funny funny about it is it was in like beta at the time. And uh, our friend Sean Rad had started uh, the company like months prior, and uh, he's like, "Look, look what Sean's doing. He's got this dating app. He's like, it's hard to explain because dating apps were so complicated back then. Yeah. He's like, it's hard to explain, but all Sean did was make it so you could swipe left or right and just look at pictures all day. He's like, it's super stupid." And I can't stop swiping. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yep, it met the and market. So, uh, it's un- unbelievable, right? And so Sean's company, to his credit, man. Uh, goes on to become a $10 billion company yes. based on one simple mechanic, right? Yep. Now, at the time, dating had gotten really complicated, right? Uh, you had everything from Match.com to um, eHarmony, where they were trying to come up with, with all these heuristics around how yes. dating would work, right? Yep. And, and Sean comes in with the caveman approach, right? <laughs> which, yep. which just, at the end of the day, if you always look at photos, right? right? And, and, and they make you know uh, choices based on that. So he said, I'm just going to do a swipe left, swipe right, which again even at the time, seemed like the most caveman way yep. to approach dating. And it was almost laughable, but it was addictive. It worked. And that's all it took. Now, Sean went on to, to release tons of features. Tinder went on to release tons of features, right? No one cares. And when yep. I say no one cares, they did make a lot of money. They've got subscriptions and all this cool stuff. But at the end of the day, and I talked to Sean you know, a couple of years later about it, and I was like, dude, like, how is it this simple? He's like, I don't know. 
<laughs> like, but we just focused on that. Yeah. And yeah. That, Look, that's what one of their work. features became like a meme and a trope, right? Like swiping left and swiping right became a thing, right? We use yeah, it right. to, to analogize all sorts of other things now. None of the other features did, right? They didn't. And for right. a good reason, they didn't matter. They were irrelevant. Uh, and to your point, yet yeah, they're, they're in there. Maybe I don't, I've actually never, never used it. I have seen somebody swipe right and left, um, but that was before well, my time uh, but, but or the, after my time. The point is the problem he wasn't solving wasn't dating. Right. It was the mechanics of yeah. exploring dating and finding yep. and finding a mate. But all he did was zero in on that. Yes. And that's all it took. Yep. Now, for a lot of us, we're, we're building something new. Like Sean was, was basically already in a space that was well-defined. Dating yeah. was well-defined. He had a better mechanic, but well-defined. A lot of us, though, we're not doing that. We're not going into a very explicit market with a, like a huge you know, customer base that's already been kind of defined there. A lot of times we're going into a market that's never had a customer like ours, that's never had a product like ours, that's never had anything to do with what we're doing. Right. right. And what we fail to, to contemplate is that we have to condition a market, right? And conditioning a market means absolute repetition of a single thing that works yes. for a very 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 long long time, time, right? (laughs) And it takes years upon years upon years of conditioning people to understand a single mechanic. As an example, what else does PayPal do other than be able to transfer money back and forth? I don't know. Hammer me (laughs) incessantly with business loan offers that I'm never going to take, but yeah. But I mean, look, man, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I use it all the time. Yeah. Right? And, and that's coming from Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, for God's sake, right? right? Guys who could probably figure out a, a couple other uh, business models. Doesn't yep. matter. They Doesn't got matter. one thing right, exactly. right? And they were good to go. And I think if, if we look at every major success of every major startup, we'll constantly come back to the same, same uh, mechanic, which is, wow, they did one thing right one for thing a right. very long time, yep. and eventually that won. And yeah. I think that that's just fascinating as a, as a um, su- uh, support of focus, everything from when we go to have our pitch deck to how we go to market. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, just you can run through kind of a list of, of startups that we all, we all know. Um, and their pitch boils down to a single line, right? It's something absolutely beautiful. Twilio's was, was fantastic, right. right? We've boiled the entire complexity of telephony down into six API calls, right? I don't need to know anything else. That's magic right, right there. And that's all they're trying to do. Now, Twilio has started to do some other things. We'll see how that goes, but they have the luxury of doing that now because they absolutely kicked ass on that core value proposition. They did it. Everything you need to do in telephony, six API calls, done, right? Super simple. Um, look at look at Tinder, right? <laughs> they've they've right. they've taken the the complex algorithms of of dating and and relationships. And for better or for worse, boiled it down to a single digit. That single digit being your thumb, right? Just that's all you need. Um, and it works for that very reason, right? There's an elegance and a simplicity to it that's easy to understand and clearly addresses a problem with a very simple solution, right? And and the, the list goes on, right? PayPal is another great example. eBay is a great example. There's so many of these companies out there where when you get down to what they do. It's a single line, right? You don't need more than that. It it fits it right. fits on the side of a pencil, and that you don't need right. more than that. And that is the beauty of it. That's part of why it works, um, because they were crystal clear, and everybody else could understand the, the the clarity of what they were trying to do. And that is not to be taken for granted. 
Um, you know, I always love when, when a founder call starts with, okay, uh, what we're trying to do is pretty complicated. So, you know, sit back. I'm like, this is going to go well. <laughs> I can't, complicated can't is bad. wait to hear this, right? Complicated is bad. And you know what? I don't think a lot of founders believe that. I think the right, more complicated right. they make the problem sound, the more complicated and technologically sophisticated the solution is, the better this is going to be. Maybe behind the scenes, but if you can't present it to me in a movie trailer style pitch, I don't care. You're never going to have my attention long enough to get me to the point where I understand or care about it. Well, imagine this though. Imagine whether it's complicated or not. Yep. We take the, you know, we take the one thing that that we're going to focus on. Exactly. And we assume that that's what we're because that's what we're focused on. We're going to be the best at it. Yeah. Right. This yep. is where things blow up. I'll give you an example <laughs> of a product that we own. Right. That I that I can explain this firsthand. Um, years and years and years ago, we bought a company called Launchrock.com. Some of yep. you may be familiar with it. Chances are, statistically, you probably launched your company on it at some point. Yes. We did, right? Now, at the time when we bought it, and this is God, six, seven years ago, um, yes. building a web page, like a launch page, was kind of hard to do, mm-hmm. right? It was complicated. You need to learn some code, etc. Um, and there were some competitors coming out, you know, Wix, Squarespace, what have you, right? But still, kind of the way we did it was fairly unique. Yeah, super easy. Okay. And the reason LaunchRock was so successful for so long, despite a million other options to do the yes, exact literally. same thing, is they just did that one thing, right? Yeah. It was just where the place where a startup launches their landing page to get their early customers before they launch, right? Yep. Honestly, not a brilliant mechanic, right? When we talk about complexity, <laughs> the least amount of complexity. Pretty close to zero. But here's why it won. Because in startups' minds, it became synonymous with launching your startup. Yep. Right? In 2012, when we launched Fundable.com, we used LaunchRock. It was long before we owned the company. We used LaunchRock because everyone was using LaunchRock. Because the team there had, had instantiated this concept that if, if this is what you're going to do, this is the response. It's the same way, Ryan, that right now you mentioned Twilio, we mentioned Stripe. They become synonymous with doing that one thing, which takes me to my next point. We are so lucky and fortunate in this game. If we're able to be the best at one yeah. thing, that we should put all of our focus on yes. just being the best at one thing. And if if somehow by you know whatever level of consequence, we actually get to a point where we are the best at that. Ryan, we're recording this on Zoom right now because the yes. Zoom is the best at what they do, <laughs> the best. right? Yep. Yeah, all the services we use are just happen to be the best at what they do. You know how rare that is? <laughs> Here's the assumption. The assumption is I built this newfangled thing that nobody's used before, right? It's a new entrant to the market. And therefore, because it's new and novel, it must be the best. Yes. In some cases, we say it's the only. Not true. No. Here's where this blows up, and I really want to dig into this with you. Being new to, to a market makes you the, the first, but doesn't make you the best. Correct. Being the best is when lots of people are doing something and they always pick you. Yeah. That's the best. Right. That's Facebook Boy, that's versus Friendster versus MySpace versus anybody else yes. that no longer exists, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely true. Right, and and we have we have some pretty interesting examples of this uh, over time. You know, Launchrock's a great one. 
um, we can pull more out of the hat if we want to. But I, I think that, you know, it's to your point, it's, there's a reason that we're talking about Zoom, right? And we're not talking about, let's say, Google Hangouts or Meet or whatever they're calling it this week to try right. to get us to use it. Right, right. And that's Google, guys. You want to talk about a company with plenty of resource that literally prints money. Um, that's them. Oh, Microsoft. And they can't beat, yeah, I mean, like the acquisition of Skype. That almost worked, guys, um, except right. that you you ruined what Skype used to do well. Um <laughs> So but that's the point. That is the point, right? So they that wasn't their focus. They bought it from that point. It it went straight downhill. Um, but that's there's a reason that we're talking about Zoom and we're not talking about any of these others because they are the de facto choice. Now, of course, those other companies do have some market share, right? Um, but Google Meet isn't making Google any money at, at all. Right. Uh, I'm sure right. somewhere on the back end, there's a deep data play there where they're using my chats to market stuff to me. I'm sure. Right. Great. Um, but it's not the same thing as collecting money up front like Zoom is doing right now. And Zoom is running away with the market and everybody's talking about it. And there's a huge power in that, right? They didn't try to do a bunch of other things. They didn't try to integrate document solutions. They didn't try to integrate, uh, you know, whiteboarding and all of these other features from the beginning. Uh, they nailed down, let's give people a really good, stable audio video platform uh, for synchronous communication, right? With the right. ability to record. That's it. Didn't create it works. It That's works really well, right? It keeps working over and over and over again. How many podcast platforms have we tried, Will? All of them. All of they them. Don't work. Yeah, exactly. That is the None answer. None of them work. None of them. That's why we're on Zoom. Yep. But if, if we were to zoom out as, as founders and we were to say, well, shit, that's actually get, kind of got me thinking like, yeah. okay, so yeah, I've got this roadmap of all of these features, but, but let me step back and say, are we the best at what we actually do? Or by the way, are we the only? Yeah. Because being the only has a short shelf life. It Skype does. was the only for a minute. Yep. Right? Yep. And then it wasn't. Um, we have to step back and say, if we're going to apply resources to anything other than being the best at the one thing that we're trying to be the best at, it's a dangerous decision. Yes. So Launchrock could have gone on and do a hundred other things. They only stuck with one thing. And honestly, it still gets used a ton years and years later. Yep. Honestly, long past the point where Launchrock should be launching as many pages as it does, it's still Continues launching. To do right? so. yep. And I'm glad to say it because we own it. But it does that one thing so incredibly well. And I think that alone um, buys us a ton. But if we step back and we say, oh, well, you know, um, everybody's using our product already in the market. You know, uh, all we need now is 10 more features. It's like the problem is by the time we're off building all those other features, Ryan, yep. someone else is working on the best thing in the market. Yes. Right. And that's, that's, that's what kills us. That's where our eyes off the ball. Yeah, and we see this happen a lot, right? The, the more features they get out of this, I mean, we've seen companies ruin their products or at least overcomplicate them to the point where people start to switch to simpler solutions. Yep. Um, let me give you just a silly analogy. When when we first came to Guatemala, I wanted a relatively rugged car. So we knew we wanted an SUV, we wanted something with good clearance and all sure. that. Um, I sought out the last year that Land Rover made an all-mechanical uh, discovery. Because I wanted something that if it broke, it was because a piece of metal was in the wrong place, right? <laughs> Not because some fancy electronic system or fuel injector or whatever else had gone awry. I wanted something I knew I could depend on and beat the hell out of. Um, and the reality is, 
Okay, Land Rover doesn't have a great reputation for reliability anyways, but it was significantly better back in the late 90s, and so that's what I bought. And I love that car because of its simplicity and because it does a couple things well. It keeps going no matter what you run into or drive through, and when it does need to be fixed, it's very, very simple to figure out what's wrong. Even a car idiot like myself can generally figure out like, oh, well, the clutch just hit the floor. The clutch is out, right? Nothing more complicated than that. Right. And we see this happen routinely where companies will get to a point, um, Basecamp, now, you know, arguably they didn't ruin their project management software. They just realized that all of these other components that they added on weren't adding significant value, right? And I think right. that we need to be really careful when we have this discussion around what significant value is. Adding little bits of accretive value is great, but you also have to consider what it does to the overall user experience. And what they determined at the end was, all these other things that we've added didn't add as much value as Basecamp itself. And I think that's a great rubric. And I don't think that's usually what we do. We think about it as well. We added this feature and added 5% more. Well, does that matter? Did you really need that, right? If your core product is 100% of your value, adding a new one takes it to 105, why will you settle for that, right? If, if we built right. all of this value around the core product and that's what we're hanging our hats on, then why isn't that the standard for anything else that we build, right? And sometimes this, well, there's just not that much value in that solution. Right. Exactly. So why are you building it? What I love is the longevity and, mm. and the moat, if you will, the defensibility that comes around yep. being the best at something. Yes. You know, we mentioned uh, Intuit earlier in this, in this episode. Intuit's still making tax planning software from like, <laughs> when was the first time that, 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 that TurboTax came out? Like in 1950? Oh my God, I don't like, know. Yeah. How are they this big of a company yes. on a product that is so dated? It's yeah. like when I say it's not the best, it's probably not the best, but they've been at the top of their game, so to speak, as far as marketing and distribution yep. for so long that they're still big enough to be buying, you know, MailChimp, which is a far more innovative company. Yes. And so what's interesting to me is with our focus, right? around saying we want to be the best at something, it also gives us a long-term roadmap to be defensible, yep. right? It is very, very, very hard to be a new entrant in the market and beat somebody who's not only instantiated, but has been the best for so long, yes. right? There are so many people that try to create a Craigslist killer, Right, <laughs> but they were the best Craig's at one thing kicking. for so long. Yep. Right? Yeah, there are so many dead bodies around that that business yeah. model. Right, um, there are so many companies, and, and we're using Craigslist to into it, whatever, that have just been the best at what they do. Yep. Again, and I'm using best in kind of quotes in this case for so long that they're almost incontestable. That's who we want to be. If we're building a company, Ryan, that's who we want to be. I want to be the company that decades from now, even if we're shitty, I hope we're not, but we cannot be unseated because we were the best for so long, right? Like to me, like that's the golden goose. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is what we should be striving for. And again, that comes from this like irrevocable and, and hard-headed desire to just be good at that one thing, right? Because yes. I think the other thing that happens, um, you know, I talked about insecurity um, at the early stage, which is, you know, nobody's, you know, unless I, unless I put all this, all these accessories on my baby, nobody's going to think my baby's cute. Um, right. So I'm just going to, I'm going to put every, every cute thing I can think of on my baby and then it'll be a good baby um, instead of just focusing on raising a happy, healthy child. Right. So, you know, won't torture this analogy either, but it Don't takes your babies, Ryan. that <laughs> try not to the uh, no promises. The 
the, the key here, though, is that focus, right? And, and the minute we stop focusing on that and we start to get off path and, and we start to try to build features around it, features are not your moat, right? Features are right. never going to be your moat. To your point, right, you may have the nicest feeling heated seat in the world. If the tires fall off your car, people are not going to buy it, right? Unless you're a Jaguar. Um, so the, the, the key takeaways here are that at the early, early stages, we need to be really hyper-focused around how we're describing our business. And then we need to go and build against that myopic focus. As the business starts to grow, sure, features may come along. People will demand and want other things. We need to carefully evaluate those and make sure that they add significant value before we pursue them, particularly if we are not already the best at our core business and if it doesn't add as much value as that core. Right? So when we think of these things, they need to represent significant, nearly matching value to that, that whatever that original problem that we're trying to solve is. If it doesn't, it's probably not worth pursuing everyone. Right? It just isn't worth doing because it's going to take your eye off the actual prize, which is building that moat around the core value, uh, which leads to that long-term defensibility for these companies like Intuit, like Stripe like PayPal. Um, and at the, at the later stages, when we get down, down the road, right, the, the desire to then branch off can also start to take us out of that market leading position, right? We stop being known for that one thing and we start being known by some people for this and some people for that and some people for this and some people for that, right? Um, so for example, like the TurboTax one uh, didn't hit home with me because I was always a QuickBooks user, right? So I knew into it for a very different reason early on. Um, not quite as reliable. I've never used TurboTax. I should probably try it at some point. Um, my taxes never seem to be in turbo mode. Um, but, you know, they do a lot of things, right? Intuit has a whole bunch of different businesses that they run. Um, and it's sure, it's stable. It's a big business. Hard to unseat at this point. But they're not known for being like pure magic at anything other than, like you said, that tax piece. What I would say for, for all the founders listening, take a step back. Take a look at the roadmap. Take a look at what is actually important. What is going to drive the business? Take a look at the pitch deck. What will investors care about if nothing else, if we had to pare it down to that one thing that we're going to be yep. known for, that's where we're going to see ourselves on IPO day because we did that one thing right. All that matters is focus. All that matters is the resources to get there. That's all we can do from this point going forward. All right. So that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but you know Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations.